0: Welcome to the Classic Hold-Up Podcast, where we analyze
1: media from the past. Each episode features a different host that brings a fresh take on a film, TV show, video game, or music album of their choice. What can we discover? Do old favorites have a shelf life? Will the classics hold up?
0: I'm your host, Trista Parrish, and welcome to The Classic Hold Up, where we see if the classics hold up. I'm a sophomore here at Michigan State, majoring in digital storytelling with a concentration in audio storytelling. In my free time, I like to take long walks on the beach and stare into the abyss. Today, we'll be talking about The NeverEnding Story, released on July 20th, 1984, derived from a fantasy novel written by Michael Endy and published in 1979. A short summary for those who haven't seen it, or a refresher for those who have, The Neverending Story begins with a little boy named Bastion. While grieving the loss of his mother, he uses his imagination and books to cope. His father is unsupportive and he's tormented by bullies, running away from them until he's able to duck into a bookstore, where he finds a bookkeeper reading The Neverending Story. The bookkeeper says that The Neverending Story is too scary and too real for a boy that young. But Bastian doesn't listen, taking the book and reading it in his school attic. While he reads about the story of Fantasia and how it's being destroyed by a force called the Nothing, he wonders if he may be the one to save it. So I watched it a lot with my dad when I was very young, and it was a movie I continue to love now. While I bought the movie to stream in my recent years, I remember having it on disc that was so scratched up that we always were surprised when it worked. I admit that it's cheesy and it's very 80s, especially in the things like the green screen that doesn't look quite right, but the spirit is definitely there. It's very nostalgic for me, and I've always enjoyed the theme of keeping imagination alive despite the harsh realities of the world around us. But enough of my opinion and what I think. Allow me to introduce my lovely guest, Kyle Taft.
1: Hello. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yes, and I'm excited for you to be here. Would you like to tell the audience a little bit about yourself before we get started?
1: Um, I'm a second year student here at uh, Michigan State. Um, I'm studying physics. Um, and that's about it.
0: <laughs> that's all there is to Kyle Taft. Yes. All right. Well, then we can get right into it. Can you tell me a little bit of pretty much how slash when you first saw this movie?
1: Well, when I first kind of heard about it, it's been it's been for years. But the only thing that I knew about the movie is that there's this horse. His name Air Tracks, and he gets lost to the swamp, which never made sense to me. But Um, I only first saw this, um, about a month ago, so, um, very recently, and...
0: Yes, everyone, everyone seems to only know that scene. From what I've talked to people about, it's, it seems to be, like, the, the most memorable for people, which is fair, because it is a pretty, pretty sad scene, even though it's very much skipped over. It's like, okay, back to, back to the storyline. Um, but if you only just saw it a month ago, what was your first impression of actually seeing it?
1: Um, it feels like it gives the feels of a classic movie. Like when you look at like a, a Star Wars or something that people reminisce on and they have nostalgia on. But when I'm looking at it, I it doesn't quite hold up in that ways of like those those timeless classics. It definitely has its audience, but it, it looked good and has those, those characteristics.
0: Mm-hmm. So with kind of seems like you have a bit of a mixed opinion. What did you like and slash dislike? You can start with like if you want to.
1: Um the main thing that I liked about it were the visuals. Um there's the the ivory tower, there's Felcor, that's like a big puppet. And these visuals are definitely unique to the time because this was a time before like the a lot of CG, CGI type of visual effects were being used commonly in movies or that were cheap to use in movies. What they had at the time were these um, type of graphics. So that was something that I liked a lot because I don't see that a lot. And it was, it did hold up in a, like a visual aspect. Um, but what I didn't like was kind of the pacing of the story, mm-hmm. story overall, the character development. It all came to, seemed kind of <laughs> bland in a way and confusing. Mm-hmm. And it, overall made me not like it as much.
0: I see. What do you think could have made it better with the long list of criticisms? <laughs>
1: well, with that, just a more sensible storyline. It felt like they focused a lot on the visual aspect, which it they did a good job on that. But just to have a simple story that kind of makes sense and doesn't have any kind of cheap like cutaway, like Mm -hmm. Cuts to it to make it flow or make it work. Um, But, yeah, just for it to flow better and to have kind of a more in-depth character development with a lot of these characters. Because these characters were interesting Mm -hmm. that they um, introduced, but they didn't show too much character development. And maybe they showed too many characters in the time that they had and all of that.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So we, so I did mention in my kind of intro is that it was derived from a book, and I think we did talk about it a little bit after um, we did watch it together. I, I, I knew the, I knew the answer to the first question. Um, so, do you think maybe if they took a little bit more inspiration from the book, that that could have saved it a bit more?
1: Definitely. Um, a lot of the the characters they felt half written because they only stuck. Um, stole half of them from the book so they kind of took this idea of a character maybe assumed that we knew what they were supposed to be mm-hmm. and then stuck them in the movie but if the, they had fleshed it out um, in the way that the book fleshes it out, I know that they don't have as much time as a book does but uh, attempt to I think that would make it much better
0: mm-hmm. I will say that when I was kind of researching some background information I saw that the original Arthur, author um, did collaborate with the people that wrote the script um, and still at the end he was kind of just like this was this wasn't the book this wasn't my vision and these people kind of just wanted to make money off of the book which I, I would say is pretty uh, probably not the best thing you want to hear from the author of like your original source material um, but I think that goes into I think as uh, book adaptions have gotten a bit more popular kind of how we go about translating that, that book into a movie, I think we've gotten better with. But something that I still think uh, translated over was the main theme, which was um, pretty much or kind of the problem revolving is that humans are losing um, imagination. And to that question, I want to ask, do you think that fear kind of stated in the book was justified, meaning that maybe are we losing creativity as a society?
1: Um, I do yes. think so. Uh, there's always this talk about how kids are reading less books nowadays. Mm-hmm. and I think it's even more relevant now that um, a lot of children are growing up with just just content of like YouTube and stuff like that, that they don't have this imagination to try to expand for themselves where it's already put in place for them. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think it has a big place in um, our society now, even more than then.
0: Mm hmm. So do you think maybe I mean, so when this was first released, it is a PG movie um, and it was made for kids. How do you think because of this idea of like maybe kids the, nowadays aren't as creative because of content like YouTube and reading less books and things like that? What reaction do you think kids would have to a movie kind of like this?
1: Um, So it is very different than modern day children movies where I feel like back in the 80s your main thing was like a children's movie is that a child is the main role Mm -hmm. and they're doing something so that the child can relate to it but modern day children movies, a lot of animation and maybe just more like family kind of um, based movies Um, but the reaction now, I think that they would like it Um, it does have some mature themes in there and for being a children's movie i don't think that they had to be in the movie so Mm -hmm. in the i know that back in the 80s uh this probably now would be more classified as like a Mm pg-13 type of film um but if they wanted to make it more pg i think that they could have easily done that um but how the film came out is how the film came out
0: Mm -hmm. and well because yes there are a lot of like mature themes uh in the In this movie such as I mean the main character it starts out with his mother dying and kind of him going through this grief and using books as a coping mechanism and his father is really just not supportive at all he's kind of just telling him like hey we all just need to get over it and then he has like his bullies and things so it it also touches on like actual bullying and getting chased down the street and thrown into a dumpster um so do you think that there is value in having those mature themes in children's movies.
1: I do think that there's definitely a value. I know there's always a big debate about like Lion King, Mm -hmm. about death being um, approached there and how they do it. And I think, especially in like a movie like that, they do it very well and that it can be a, very good life lesson for kids that maybe couldn't get that as effective in other ways of just someone telling them oh this is kind of how you can feel about it and stuff like that but on the contrary I feel like this movie doesn't do it very well Mm -hmm. where these concepts are just brought up they're not really lingered on for too much they're just there to be there and I do think that's kind of a because of they were in the book and touched on a lot more in the book that they just felt like they had to be in the movie.
0: Well, and since the movie was very fast paced, was there kind of certain parts of the movie or maybe even just characters you would have liked to see more of?
1: Um, Yes, uh, the main one would probably be Bastion. Because that tries to focus around him, but then they also have a tray you to look at, mm-hmm. and all the the world of Fantasia. And I think that Bastion could have had a lot more, like, shown character development and stuff like that, or like life lessons learned, mm-hmm. um, that would have made the movie a lot more effective. But we didn't really see that. We just saw little clips of him, of his reactions. Of
0: him just being like, Is that, "That can't be me." <laughs>
1: uh-huh,
0: <laughs> that was exactly. just that was basically him. After, I mean, at the beginning, it was him, but really after the book started and then until the very end, it was kind of it was mostly just the bo- the, the story of Fantasia.
1: Yes. yes.
0: So if that was a part, was there a character that you liked in particular that you would have maybe liked to see more of?
1: I would have liked to see more of the Empress because all we really saw of her was that at the beginning she's sick and all the people are panicking because she's kind of the, the oracle here um but then at the it's uh, she's only comes back at the end she's this mysterious figure who kind of understands everything that's going on and mm-hmm. kind of fixes it
0: yeah i definitely think cuz she does play a very big role at least mm-hmm. like the driving plot because it starts with Emi Atreyu. he comes to the ivory tower and everyone's trying to like, get help from the empress and they tell them like the empress can't help because she's sick and then the prophecy foretells that Atreyu is gonna be the one that stops the nothing and saves Empress. Um but then really after that, the only time that you see her is the very end where like Atreyu comes back to the Ivory Tower and she's she's pretty much I wouldn't say panicking, but just kind of like, this is like this is it. Like we we need we need something to happen. Um and then when she talks to Bastion, which I think I think is a very good moment, however, I think it could have been led up to a bit better because I think it was it was kind of abrupt. Um, even though that's kind of uh, abrupt, in not a way that it was supposed to like be very dramatic because it was it was the like the world's falling apart. There's a storm happening with Bastion and like the real world, and Bastion has to yell out the window the new name of the Empress, which I thought was his mother's name. It was not. It was apparently Moonchild. <laughs> so where that came from? I don't know (laughs) like I feel like maybe that could have been like I feel like that name I don't know maybe the name has like a significance in the book but I feel like that that could have been that's something my own criticism that I feel like the name could have been a bit more like had a meaning than just moon (laughs) child. Well aside from just overall like plot was there a scene that you liked in particular
1: I did like, um, it had a strong start of when introducing Fantasia. We had those characters like the mm-hmm. the Rock um Rock Rider, yeah. yeah um, that they introduced these, um, they had all these nice costumes, mm-hmm. uh, design and stuff like that. And it did introduce the world nicely. And I feel like if that wasn't there, I would kind of be lost through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I did like that scene. and I liked the interactions with, uh, with the characters there as well.
0: Mm-hmm i think yeah that's definitely one of my favorite scenes just because like the rock biter that's just eating he makes these rocks look like the most scrumptious thing in the world he's like these delicious limestone rocks and then all these little characters are like beneath him showing like how big this creature is versus like it's just these tiny little people that are trying to get to the ivory tower and that's how they realize like oh this this the the nothing Is a much bigger problem than any of them are really thinking it is because their their main goal is to get to the ivory tower and seek help from the empress and that leads into the whole like everyone's gathered here and trying to talk to her and all that good stuff with um talking about a particular scene that you liked was there a particular character that you liked the most
1: um, I did like the the scientist guy. Um, so after Falcor rescues him and brings him all the way, most of the way mm-hmm. to that oracle, um, he comes upon this little um, family and there's this, this scientist guy who's been studying the oracle, mm-hmm. um, Engiwook. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I just really liked him um, that Costume design, he looked very good. Mm -hmm. He had a good personality. He definitely, whoever the actor was, put his all into that character. Mm -hmm. And that really brought me into it um, as... This part of like Fantasia and learning about all these people who inhabit Fantasia, because I'd imagine being so far away from like the ivory tower that'd be like desolate or something, but there's still these like little hermits living out there, and i I really liked him and that scene with him showing all his different apparatuses and doing his little science,
0: yeah, I think that was I was when we were watching it, um I was like waiting for that scene because I knew I was. If if there was any character that reminded me of you, it was it was that one that he was just a little scientist in his little in his little hovel, and his wife that just like drank my medicine soup, <laughs> and the I'm sorry I forgot his name, but he's just he's he's trying to tell Trey you you know about this oracle and how all of these people have died, and I think that was definitely a really good character to lead up to this very kind of intense moment of. Um, the oracles and kind of the trials that he had to get to to get to the main one um, that was going to tell him how the world or how to save the world which again was revealed that they have to find a human child and he's you know he's having like this big uh, you know the, the world's falling apart around him and he's trying to figure out well how am I supposed to get a human child and Bastion's like I am a human child but I, they can't be talking about me all this good stuff but I was yes, that, that's definitely a very nice little scene because they they wake up after um, Falcor takes him to him and picks him up and that's just it's a very nice scene. But my, my favorite character is probably um, the, the wise one, Morla, the turtle, um, which is right before that, I believe. Um, because I think it, it it's really nice, not really nice, but I, it was entertaining to me to kind of stray away from the classic hero's tale where everyone's trying to help you and everyone's telling you like you've got this bro more or less telling him no there's no hope you can't save fantasia and she's just like i kind of i'm kind of done i've been i've been sitting here for so long i want you to go away i'm allergic to youth uh and you're annoying me um so if it were to be remade since it was made in the 80s and apparently it's just a really big trend in hollywood to remake every single movie because it I don't know if we can't think of anything, um, but what changes do you think would be made to the movie in order to kind of modernize it?
1: Well, I think the first change that they would make or that I would hope that they would make is to stay more true to the book Mm -hmm. Um, because that's my main criticism of the movie here. It felt like they kind of took the shortcuts here to just take what was a very good story and kind of make it basic so that they can easily kind of put it on the screen. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so I would hope that the change that they would make would stay true to the book, um, and have this more fleshed out story and this world building and all of that.
0: Yeah. Um, And I think, um, with that, I, I mentioned it earlier, but I think as, as they have become more popular, I think audiences, or at least even fans of books have been definitely more, uh, I, I don't think strict is the right word. But kind of wanting these movies to stick more to the source material. Because I know a lot of people, like, if they see a book adaption that is not true to the book, everyone understands that you can't fit everything into a movie. But uh, I've seen that movies from book adaptions that, like, stray from the book definitely just do not get a very good um, reaction, usually. But I think maybe they got away with it, either just because of the time when maybe... Um, these kinds of things were kind of newer and they were trying to figure out how to effectively translate a book. Um, but it also could have just been, they got away with it because it was a German book and it was released in America. But is there anything else that you think would be changed?
1: Um, the other thing would definitely be the visuals. Um, because uh, something unique about this that I don't see in modern movies is that things like Falco was all a puppet and stuff like that mm-hmm. where modern day he would be a CGI mm-hmm. and uh, different visual effects
0: Yes I definitely I as much I do enjoy CGI, but I definitely think there's a time and place for it. I think um, CGI can be used in a very effective way and then I think CGI can be used in a way that it's kind of um, I wouldn't say shortcuts, but I think there are times where CGI just doesn't give an effective way of storytelling. And in that way, do you think the CGI would kind of ruin it in that way?
1: No, I think it could still have an effective storytelling with CGI. I
0: don't know. I I think the puppets kind of gave it the... I feel like it gave it some charm, but that also could have just been the nostalgia factor of one... It, CGI wasn't really a big option, especially with the, the green screen that just, they're flying through the sky, it's like you could see the little like green uh, background of it, but that could definitely just be a nostalgic factor for me and wanting to see kind of sets um, and puppets and a bit more just creativity with what we can make without computers. But on that hot take, we're gonna take a break for our ad reads and come back for the final verdict. My name is Jack Stedron. My name is Genevieve Rose. My name is Trey Mullen. When I complete my degree, I want to continue doing video and audio production. I want to be an editor. I want
1: to create music videos and content for large music artists. My name is Jack Stedron.
0: My name is Genevieve Rose. My name is Trey Mullen, And, and I, I am ComArtsci. Com Start your journey at comartsci.msu.edu. With this in mind, do you think that The NeverEnding Story holds up as a classic?
1: I do not think so. And why not? Um, because of how the, the story doesn't quite make sense. There's a lot of that, that shortcuts that they took in the story and those aspects and the, the character development and bringing up concepts that they don't really ever talk about again and um, not really delving into this world of Fantasia as much as I would have liked um, the, as much as the visuals, I, I liked them. They do not make up for how the rest of the movie kind of failed there. And without a nostalgia factor, which I don't have. This is my first time seeing it. I just think of it as a mediocre movie.
0: That's That's honestly fair. I mean, for me, I think I'm going to disagree because I have that nostalgia factor. And I'm not really sure... I don't know. I don't think, I'm not sure if my opinion would change if I didn't have that. It probably would. Um, But to me, it's always going to kind of have that special, special place in my heart. And I think maybe since I have watched it so many times since when I first watched it, it does make, I don't know, you know, when you like kind of rewatch a movie over and over again, you kind of expect how things are going to go because you remember it from the last time. And I think since I've had that chance to rewatch it over and over again, things do kind of flow simply because i've watched it so many times um but i still think as i've said i will always enjoy the theme of the of the movie and that i think creativity as a as a species um or as humans is really important um however i would i i do agree i would have liked to see better pacing as kind of an as an adult, (laughs) as an adult watching it, um, because I definitely have different opinions from when I was a kid and now watching it. And to add, um, there are other movies after this that I have not seen. um, And I would like to say that maybe they redeem themselves a little bit in the pacing and maybe in including more of the book. Um, But from what I've seen in the ratings, uh, that did not happen. So to me, though, I still think it holds up. And I think it's an important message at the end of the day. But with that all said and done, I don't think we're going to agree on that one. But with host authority, I'm going to say that I think it holds up. (laughs) But with that, I want to thank my guest for coming on and talking about The never-ending Story with me.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: And I would like to thank all of you for listening. Find The Classic Holdup on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us at Audio
1: Video Land for updates, teasers, and behind-the-scenes content of all Audio Video Land productions. The Classic Holdup is an Audio Video Land production by digital storytelling students of Michigan State University in collaboration with Impact 89FM.